0: Uh, now I need everybody to go ahead and grab your Bibles. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, hopefully there is one in front of you, near to you. Um, we w- we want everybody to be able to have the Scripture. You're going to open to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, if you go there, if you came in, you probably were handed a uh, a set of or a worship guide. On the back of the worship guide is just a place for you to take notes if you're a note taker or some of you are art, artsy people, and you, you like to doodle, uh, and it somehow helps your, your brain engage. And if that's you, doodle on, all right? Just get whatever you need to do, but take that paper and utilize it to the glory of God. Uh, we are continuing this series where we're uh, <clears throat> finding the places where uh, the enemy lies about who we are, our identity, and we're discovering what is it that God actually has to say about who we are, who he is and who we are, and, uh, and who we are because of him, and then how do we actually live that out, or how, how do we actually walk in that? And so that's kind of what this series has been about. We're going to continue on in that. I'm going to pray for us, and then that'll give us a minute to just uh, really uh, dive into what God wants to say to us. You pray with me. Father, we're just um, so thankful you have faithfully preserved your word for thousands of years to grab our heart and to show us who you are and what you've made us to be. And so I pray over every person in this room regardless of where they've come from or regardless of what their spiritual journey has been or regardless of what they may have wrestled with this past week, I'm asking that for every person in this room, you would speak your truth. You would set it deep into our soul and that we would believe your word more than we would believe any other thing that could be spoken over us or against us, that in fact, we just want to say this out loud, what your word says is more true than anything we could see or hear or imagine in this life. So that's why we're investigating that this morning, and I ask God that you would show us who you are in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Some of the best memories of my entire life growing up happened at a nasty, dirty, filthy lake in East Texas. And uh, my, uh, I'm sure there were clean parts of it. It's just wherever my, my grandparents had uh, this uh, lake house. And, and by lake house, I mean they had a single wide trailer uh, sitting on the bank of this lake. And we were, we happened to be kind of in the cove and like in a cove. And so basically all of the garbage uh, of the lake got trapped up in this cove. And then we just gladly swam in it every summer we would do. this. So, uh, but w- what happened is, uh, early on is we ended up making the, a pilgrimage. So you know, we lived in West Texas and back in the day, I think the speed limit was like 55 miles an hour. Uh, because it, you know, if you back in the day, back in the '80s, if you drove over that, your wheels would fall off of your vehicle, and so we drove very slowly from the west side of Texas to the east side of Texas, which is exhausting and um, horrible. And I'm trying to think of other words because anytime you have to drive in West Texas. Uh, you just kind of want to scrape your eyes out. But anyway, we made the, we made our way through West Texas to East Texas. And then you started to get to the trees and that's where the lakes were. So we went there every summer. And what we did is every fourth of July, we were always there. And all of my cousins, we descended on this lake and it was, we had an absolute blast and and. All we did was we ate my grandfather's fried fish, which was just amazing. If you like, and if you're into fried catfish and some of you are going, catfish is dirty, but you know what? When it's fried, it's delicious. So all we did was we ate my grandfather's amazing fried catfish, and then we just shot big reds like nobody's business. I mean and we just were killing it. We just and, and so we were hopped up on red dye number five and and fried catfish the whole time, and we just swam. And that's all we did. But but the, the crowning moment every year of us coming together was we would go out on my grandfather's barge. He had this huge barge to, to, to make room for like, oh, it's like 19 cousins. It was insane. I'm sure we were almost sunk the boat multiple times. But we went out and 4th of July and there was this massive fireworks display uh, over the lake. And it was, you know, as a kid, it was like the greatest thing ever. And they would blare music from the side. And you could try to kind of hear it. They would blare music from the side. And we would watch this amazing display. And uh, and in fact, uh, in later years, they ended up making like a boat parade. And you could dress up your boat and then drive the boat through a parade. And, um, and we, our boat was always just horrible. But it was so fun to do. And I don't think we ever won anything. Maybe ugly, if there was like an ugliest boat, we probably won that. But it was so fun. We had a blast. But I remember... The feelings of patriotism and, and what we often, the, the, the word that gets thrown around, or that got thrown around, it always gets thrown around Fourth of July is freedom. Say freedom. We're celebrating our nation's freedom. and We are excited about. The freedom that we have, and we talk about it, we think about it, and this is what we do each and every 4th of July. And then, of course, we have other holidays that will come along, and it reminds us of freedom. We have Memorial Day and we have Veterans Day, and we are so thankful for those that have gone before us or gone ahead of us to either fight for or preserve our freedom. And we do thank every one of you. Certainly there are many of you here that have at least been involved in military. You've got family in the military. It is a a significant thing to be able to think about the freedom that we have in our nation, the freedom that has been fought for and preserved. And it's something we celebrate often in our culture. And it's a word, I think, in America. In fact, I was trying to think of any other word that could describe the foundation of this culture. And I think freedom is the one thing that we champion the most. And it just dawned on me as I was thinking about this this past week, thinking in and through this message that there is an opposite to freedom. And and the opposite of freedom is slavery. It's being not free to be able to make decisions and walk freely down a street and to be able to have your birthday party wherever you want it or celebrate or worship in whatever way. But it's in fact captivity where you aren't able to function with freedom. There's someone holding you down or watching over you or enslaving you in some way and having, you know, depending on how deep we want to get into this discussion of slavery, chains around your hands and feet, unable to move. And when you actually think about slavery, if you actually think about the idea of us being enslaved and not free, all of a sudden there's a weight that you tend to feel in your heart. Honestly, the greatest blight in our nation's history is the issue of slavery. It's the biggest wrong that has been perpetrated in this amazing culture that we've gotten to grow up in. Slavery is the one thing we look at, and it's worthy of hanging our heads a little bit because there's not one of us in this room that, if you thought about the idea of being a slave and having your life shackled to someone else and being forced to do what someone else tells you to do, and being put in difficult painful even disgusting circumstances where we wouldn't be crying out for freedom where we wouldn't it wouldn't be at the the forefront of our mind every day we woke up how could i get free How could I break away? How could I find some version of freedom in my life? If we were to put ourselves in the idea of captivity, of course, we can, even if we wanted to get into modern day slavery and and the sex slave trade all over the earth, there's not one of us that would be okay. And there's not one of us that thinks that there's something right or decent or okay about being enslaved that way. And if any one of us were caught in that position, all we would think about is freedom, All we would think about is how can I be free? Freedom actually is deeply, deeply ingrained into the human spirit because God created us in his image. We were made to be free. To have a freedom... That we can't even begin to imagine. And I'm gonna say this, it's a little bit different than the freedom we celebrate in America, but I know this. The issue of freedom is deeply important to you and to me. The issue of freedom was important to God, it was so important to Him. He went through the most drastic step that has ever been taken in the history of the universe in sending his son to buy it for us. What I mean by that is, in Isaiah, look in your Bibles in Isaiah chapter 61. This very thing that we prize and treasure, freedom, which we often don't think about unless it happens to fall on, a, on an event or a, on a holiday. But when we think of this issue of being enslaved... It becomes a a completely different issue. And I want you to look at Isaiah 61. In Isaiah 61, uh, a thousand years before Jesus comes on the scene, there's a declaration about God so loving the world and so loving his people that he's going to do something in order to call them back to himself. And he's going to send his son. So Isaiah 61 is uh, what the scriptures call prophetic scripture, telling what is, God is going to do, giving us insight into a work that God is going to do, and I want you to look at what he says he's going to do. This is the description of the Messiah that is to come. This is the spirit, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now, a question is How do you know this is about Jesus? Well, in Luke chapter 4. Jesus has really just been commissioned to do his ministry. He only had, Jesus only did three years of ministry. He did 30 years carpentry and then three years of ministry. He had just been commissioned to do ministry. And so what happens is he started going to the synagogues and he began to teach in each place. And so I don't know if you know anything about uh, the synagogues, but what they would do is they would just have a scripture reading and they would just go systematically through the scripture. And you know what they would do? They would take the scrolls. They didn't have books back then or they didn't have iPads they had uh, scrolls. And what they did is they took the scrolls and they would open it up to that reading that day. So Jesus is in Nazareth where he's from. He comes into the synagogue. He opens up the scroll and you know what he reads? Isaiah 61. So he reads Isaiah 61. Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners and then he takes the scroll, actually describes it he takes the scroll, he rolled it up the scroll and he gives it back to the attendant and then he sits down and and the scripture says this, all the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him (laughs) and he began to say to them Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So I don't know why I'm emotional about that, except for just to say, this is Jesus. He reads from Isaiah. All the people have loved the scripture. They're waiting for the Messiah. He reads, says, this is what the Messiah came to do, to set captives free. And he takes the scroll. He rolls it up. He sits down and he says, I'm answering this today. I'm the answer. The one that you've been waiting for. This is the greatest mic drop in all of history, right? It's just Jesus, just boom. What are you going to do about that? But I love that he starts his ministry by looking into the eyes of the people and saying, listen, I know you want me to take over Rome. I know you want me to try to get us back to the temple days. I know you have all these desires for me to fix all of the ills in society, but I want you to know that's not why I've come. The reason I am here is I am here to set you free. You're captives and I want you to know I'm here to set you free. That's my purpose and plan. And the way that we've described over the last few weeks that he was going to set us free is he's going to look everybody in the eye and say this, that you are first and foremost a child of God. You're made in the image of God. You were called sons and daughters. You were also made co-heirs with Christ. And because of that, because of what I've made you, because of what I've called you, you will be free. I'm going to set you free. Now, that's the good news, The good news is Jesus is ready to set us free. The bad news is every one of us is a slave. Every one of us is a slave. And Jesus wanted us to understand the slavery that we were in and the freedom that he wanted to bring to us. And he's saying it over and over and over again. John chapter 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. He goes on to say in John 8, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And then Paul builds on that and says in Romans 8, for there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And he says to the Galatian church, who was just completely a mess, had mangled the grace of God so badly, he said, listen, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm Therefore, and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. Don't don't be a slave. There's a reason that Jesus uses the word free. And the issue is is we are slaves. We're slaves. And he knew that more than anything that we might wrestle with in all of this life, there's nothing worse than being a slave, being in bondage to something, slavery destroying our soul, something where you cannot escape. And what I would say, in a nation that celebrates its freedom And celebrates our ability to be free and to have freedom and to make choices. The biggest concern or weight that I carry as a pastor is that we would think that because we can choose or have our own house or we can have our own car or we can choose our own career. You students in here are going to get to choose what college you go to depending on your grades. You're going to be able to... Figure out where, whatever it is that you want to go. And we go through all of that thinking that we have freedom. And what Jesus is trying to say is that's not what defines freedom. You can have all of these things and I'd say, let's talk about Williamson County where everybody's doing pretty decent out here and we can have all these things, be able to pay our bills and it seems like we can make whatever decisions we want to make and we might be duped into believing that because we can make all these decisions that we're actually free and what Jesus wanted to say is, listen to me, you apart from me are slaves and I want to set you free. You can have all these things. You can have all the toys. You can have all the gadgets. You can be able to make all the decisions you want to. But apart from knowing Jesus, we're slaves. That's the effect of the dirty word that we often use in the church called sin. This thing where we choose to do our own thing. In fact, I'm going to just say this. In a culture that highlights freedom, the message that often comes across is, you can do whatever you want to do and it's okay. That's freedom. I think what's often espoused in our culture is, listen, you aren't free unless you can do whatever you want to do. And there are no truths or absolutes. Whatever's right for you is right for you just so long as you're true to yourself. And I think as a culture, uh, uh, getting to live in a place of freedom, I thank God for the freedom that we do have to be able to worship freely and all that we have here. But what's... Highlighted really in this idea of freedom is listen, you do whatever you want to do, and that's how you become free. And what Jesus was waving his hands and saying, Listen, you can make all the decisions you want to in life, but that doesn't make you free. And what I think Jesus was trying to say is, Listen, you've got something deep inside of you, it's called sin, and it's destroying you, and you'll be a slave to it. And I can tell you this the worst slavery that any one of us can have in this room is to be slaves to ourselves. The most dangerous slavery there is does not come with actual chains. It comes with being sold out to having to have our own way. And it's a dangerous game. And Jesus knew it. And he said, listen, I've come to set you free. What did you come to set us free from? From yourself. Came to set you free from the law of sin and brokenness. Came to make you free of whatever chains that bind up your heart, my heart. And this is what makes God so amazing, right? This is what makes him so good This is what makes him so big and so grand and so awesome, is that he comes right into the middle of our mess, thinking maybe that we have some things figured out and says, listen, I'm here to go, I'm I'm here to go to the deep place in you. Everything can look good on the surface, everything can look like we got it figured out here, but my question is is what's going on inside of you? Is there something that's got you bound up and broken? What are the things that have you chained in a way where you're not stepping into your life as a son or daughter of the Most High God and co heir with Christ? That's what God does. That's what I love about God. He goes to the deep place, goes right in to that that place where he starts to ask those maybe uncomfortable questions. Now, we have a a joke in my house um, where uh, my wife is really, really bad at small talk. She's just not good at it. Listen. You're going to, some of you haven't met her yet, you're going to try to meet her and you could try to talk about the weather or something surfacey, and she can do it for a minute, but she will break down at some point in time and she's going to just be like, oh, the weather is so nice, it's so pretty. How's your soul? <laughs> How are you doing? What's going on inside of you? I'm serious. I'm talk about, you know, like just at, at the home, at, at our house all the time, you know, it's like, hey, she, I'm... Stuff going on, yeah. Hey, how's your basketball team doing? She'll ask me, you know, how's your team doing? Say, it's good, it's not basketball season, but that's, But thanks for asking. <laughs> you know, we're just, you try to do the small talk thing, but it's, eventually it's like, oh, that's good, so the Cowboys won, so what's going on inside of you? <laughs> and it could be a little bit annoying, but i tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> so, did I say that out like, loud? We're just keeping it real, okay? So we've got 13 years of marriage under under the belt to be able to say that out loud. And uh, but I'll tell you this: anybody who's willing to say, "Hey, it looks good on the surface, but how's it actually going inside of you?" actually cares. So Jesus was willing to come into our existence and say, "Listen, you can have all the stuff of life really neat and glossy." but I'm not okay with that. I'm going to the deep place and I wanna know how is your soul, what are you bound up by? Because I came and died on a cross, went into the grave and came out victorious, not so you could sit around shackled like everybody else out there, but so you could live alive, free, unhindered, Unbound by the things that often shackle people all over the earth, Jesus did not come to die in vain. He came to open this thing up in us and make us alive. That's why he came. It's what he came to show us. And so the question is: Is are you free? Are you free? Do you live? Free, And I know what you're thinking, well, what does that actually mean to be free? What does that actually mean to live free? Well, in my just really super linear mind, I'm just going to try to break this down. Actually, this is like 12 sermons. I'm shoving it into, we've got like three more. Is it already 1117? Is that time right? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm going to go super fast. But I don't want to skip what I feel like the Lord wants to say to us. What does it mean to be free? Listen, freedom in Christ is first the release from slavery due to guilt and shame from our failures. This This is the first part of this. What does it mean to actually be free? For Jesus to do what he said he wanted to do, here's what it starts with that you and i have to be free from the slavery of shame and guilt from our past because i'm looking at roughly 110 or so people in here who all have bad pasts pastor included and we all have things where we have fallen radically sharp short and we all have places we have radically failed And we all have done things that we are ashamed of. And the question is, is do we live our lives shackled to our broken past? Because what Jesus Christ came to do is pay that penalty on the cross so that that is forever removed from our lives. So that when God and anyone else looks on us, what they see is the majesty and the perfection, the beauty of the son of God. And my fear is that the majority of the church is not operating any different than anyone else in this world. So broken over shame for what has taken place when God is literally, He said, I came to set captives free. I went to that cross to pull that off of you so that you can walk alive. This is what it means, first and foremost, to be free is to say i am not the sum parts of my bad decisions from my past i am a son or a daughter of the most high god and i walk in it and i walk from the confidence that comes from being made clean that's first and foremost what it means and there is there's only one thing that removes Shame and guilt. Listen to me. There are not enough alcoholic drinks to make shame go away. There are not enough video games to make shame go away. There are there's not you could you could binge Netflix for the next 50 years. It will not take shame away from you. Please hear this. There is one thing that removes shame power and the majesty of the son of god knowing him walking with him and being made free please hear this but secondarily and i'll probably just have to bust this message up. i'm just, we'll just carry it over to next week so don't worry about it you're good i was like i know you're worried because you're like i want those 12 sermons <laughs> the second part of this is listen Freedom in Christ first means we're, we are broken. The, 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 the slavery to sin and a shame is broken. Secondarily, freedom of Christ is the power of God to confidently step into God's calling in our lives. Because it's one thing to not be hindered by our past. It's an entirely different thing to have confidence to say, I'm moving forward. It's one thing to not be shackled to the past. It's an entirely different thing to say, you know what? God has got some steps for me to take that are risky. God has got some things for me to step out into that don't make sense to the people around us. And I'm gonna have to explain this to my dad or my mom, or I'm going to have to explain this to my buddies or my friends or I'm going to have to explain this to my coworkers or my boss, but there are things that God has designed you and I for, and we cannot step into them without the power of God making us free to do it. It's one thing to say, yeah, 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 pastor, I'm forgiven for my sin, and I'm forgiven for my past, I know that. It's another thing to go, I feel confident to step out, into what God has called me to be and to do. To hear his voice, to know what he's saying and to step into it. And to make a difference outside of these four walls. To shift spiritual atmospheres wherever you and I go. To change cities. Let me tell you that, listen. The freedom that Christ gave us has the power to shift cities. I'm not just saying that I'm looking you dead square in the eye. The freedom that God has given the people in this room can change Franklin and Spring Hill and all of Middle Tennessee. And as soon as we're done here, we'll go to the nations. Guys, I'm looking at the sum total of the talent and anointing and ability that sits in this room right now. The ways that God wants to transform all of Middle Tennessee, but it's got to come with the people that are radically free from the past and and passionate to step into the future because we know who we are in God. I'm am I'm, I'm a little bit tired of like the super Christian mentality where we expect all the people that are on the stage to do all the stuff. Like, can I just pull back the curtain? Speaking on behalf of the two pastors that are here, ain't no super Christians. It it actually doesn't exist. You know what? The people that we often think are super Christians, or they've got their stuff together, or they've got all their lives worked out. Obviously, we don't have it worked out. You know, my wife and I, we can't even get on the same page about a healthy you know, conversation at home, right? So sorry, she's like, that's not true. We can have a conversation. So, I'm going to have so many things to explain. I'm sorry, i sorry, got to ask you about that. So. We actually have a healthy conversation, just so you know. But let me tell you, it's not because we're super Christians. Let me tell you. It's because... <laughs> we'll tell our story sometime. You bet. No, yeah. Yeah, so what my wife would like to let you know is that marriage has not been roses. But I want you to know, so you're gonna, pastor gets so sidetracked. But I do want you to hear this. We tend to look at people who stand on stage or who do big stadiums or whatever, and we think of them as super Christians, and I can tell you, I've, I've gotten to rub elbows with a few of those people, and I can tell you this, there are no super Christians. There are just people who are audacious enough to say, I am going to walk in the freedom that Christ purchased for me. It's just simply, it's, it's honestly that simple. I am not gonna be held back by my horrible past and I am not going to be afraid to step into my God-ordained future. I'm just not gonna do it. And I'm just going to believe what the Bible says more than what my thoughts tell me or what the enemy speaks to me or what people, my, that don't know or don't understand or don't know God, what they might try to speak over my life and I'm just gonna block that out and I'm just gonna keep moving forward. I'm gonna step into what God has for me. I'm not gonna be afraid. And there's so much more. I, um, we're gonna get a chance just to um, jump into more of this but I know we're, we're getting to the end of our time and I wanna, I wanna honor our time. So I'll just, I'm gonna stop here and I'm just gonna give us a chance just to ask a couple of questions. So if you will, just, you can put your stuff in. Let's just pray. Father, we just want to come to you for this moment. And I know that there's some things that you want us to step into and some, and, and some ways that you want to, we want to walk and some things that you have for us. But God, we have to be honest with you first and foremost. I'm asking God right now, that, is there any place where we're not walking free? Just maybe shame from our past Maybe something we really messed up badly. And I feel like I'm supposed to address this. There are some of you that were you've made to feel shame by the church. Somewhere in your history you were involved in a church and you were made to feel shame because of something that took place. And God's just here right, right here and now to say, my son paid for that. You're free. And there's some of you um, that you're looking ahead and you've got some things in front of you and you feel like maybe there's a mountain in front of you. and the future ahead feels anything but free. And I just believe the Father wants to say, listen, you're a son and you're a daughter, and I got this. You may not have it all figured out. You may not know what the next step is supposed to be, but he wants to just say, living free means you know that I got this. So you can come to me with joy. And I ask, God, that you would anchor these truths in our heart. I pray you would show us how we might be able to step into this. And I pray, God, we would never, ever, ever take for granted the freedom that you bought for us. I thank you that you've made us free. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. Love you. We're just going to dismiss. I know we're a little bit late. We'll see you guys next.